Well, it's good to be with you today, and uh, over the next two weeks, I'm going to be speaking about an interesting character in the Bible. Uh, his name is Obed-Edom, and uh, it's a guy I really love in the Bible, and uh, we're going to jump right into his story uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 to 12, and the scriptures will be on the screen for you. And David brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000, and he and all his men went to Bala and Judah to bring up from there, the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. And they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was uh, on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, all the Bacchus fans, Ahio right there, sons of Abinadab were guiding the new cart. And the ark of God was on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. And David and all of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, the castanets, the harps, the lyres, the trumbles, the sistrums, and the cymbals. And what's going on here is David went to get the ark of the covenant and to bring it uh, to Jerusalem. This was important. Why? Because the ark, the ark was uh, the symbolism of literally the throne. To Israel, they saw it as the, the throne, the very presence of God here on earth. In fact, I have a picture uh, of the Ark of the Covenant. And, and so there's the cherubim there. And, and God would show up in the Holy of Holies and, and he would meet. He met with Moses. He, he, he spoke to the high priest. And so, so David is so excited because he's literally saying, I'm bringing back the Ark of the Covenant, the, the, the place that we believe God God meets us to Jerusalem. This is important today. They're worshiping and they, they're singing and they're praising God as they, they bring in this back to Jerusalem. And then verse six, and when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled and the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. In the Old Testament, you weren't supposed to put the ark on a cart. You were supposed to have two poles and, and the priests would carry it. The Levites would carry it and they have it on, the ark, on, on a cart and the ark stumbles and this cart begins to slide down. And what does Uzzah do? He goes out and he tries to stop it. So interesting, there's a sermon I could preach out of that called sometimes not every right thing is a God thing. But that's for a different day. But verse eight, and then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, the place is called Perez Uzzah. And verse nine, and David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him to the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gidhite. Now, Obed-Edom was uh, from the tribe of Levi, the worshipers. And the ark remained, verse 11, at the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his what? Entire household. Now, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of what? The ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David uh, with rejoicing. David hears about God's blessing on the household of Obed-Edom. 
And the scripture here says that Obed-Edom's house was blessed. Why? Because the ark or the presence of God was in his house. You know, I like this story. Obed-Edom was a God-fearing man. I mean, think about it for a moment. You know, you're going about your daily business and all of a sudden you see 30,000 people show up at your house. Well, literally 29,999 because one died. And they show up with this, this, the Ark of the Covenant on the cart and say, listen, tag, you're it. God is mad. We're getting out of here. You're going to take care of the Ark. I don't know, but if I was Obed-Edom, I'd be pretty nervous right then. God killed Uzzah? Why? Because he touched that. David's afraid. No, don't bring it. We can't bring it. You've got to take care of it. It's your responsibility. But what does Obed-Edom do? He honors the presence of God. And three months, God's blessing is upon him and his family. It's interesting because Uzzah's family had the ark in their house for over 20 years. 20 years the ark was with Uzzah and his family. And guess what? In one moment, an irreverent act of disobeying God and touching the ark, because you were not allowed to touch the ark of the covenant. You know, sometimes that reminds me as Christians. Sometimes, you know what, we can get so comfortable with the presence of God. Sometimes we can get so entitled with the presence of God. Sometimes we can get so bored into religion that we miss the most important things of God. And I think one of the greatest things that sometimes we miss in the church is this. God is holy. God is holy. Today, as we, as we go into this message, I want to highlight the importance of reverence for the presence of God. Uzzah lost reverence. He did an irreverent act of touching the ark. He was not allowed. Nobody was allowed to touch the ark. Irreverence. Why? Because he was comfortable. Why? He thought it was the right thing, but it was the wrong thing. But Obed-Edom, when the ark came to his house, what did he do? He honored the presence of a holy God. It's so interesting that Uzzah did what? He, was, he, didn't ha- he lost reverence. Obed-Edom had reverence. He feared the presence of the Lord. And one died and one was blessed. And I was thinking about this today and the title of this message is Come Make Your Home. Lord, come make your home. You see, in the John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus said this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Today is, if you don't know this, today is Pentecostal Sunday. In the church calendar, Pentecostal Sunday, is a reminder of the time in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, where this was fulfilled, where Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, not just to the disciples, but to anybody who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, Paul says this, Do you not know that you yourselves, if you're a Christ follower today, you're someone who's put your faith in Jesus Christ, do you not know that you yourselves are what? God's temple. And that what? God's spirit is in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is what? Sacred. And you together are what? That temple. 
Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're God's temple. Turn to your second choice and say, you too. (laughs) You see, Obed-Edom in this passage, Obed-Edom, the presence of God came what? To his house. And I love this about Obed-Edom. What did did Obed-Edom have to do? He had to invite the ark into his house. He could have stopped and said, God is mad. He killed Uzzah. God is angry. God is holy. I don't want anything to do with it, David. You take care of this. You handle it. But what did he do? He invited God's presence into his house. If you're taking notes today, number one, point number one is this. We've got to invite God's presence into our lives. We've got to invite God's presence into our lives. That's why with Jesus, when he teaches us the Lord's Prayer, what does he say? Every day we're to pray what? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every day you and I, our prayer is what? I'm inviting God. I need you today. I need your presence today. In you, I live and move and have my being. I I live in a fallen world. I'm gonna face temptations. There's things gonna come my way. And every day, God, I'm posturing my heart to invite you into. Lord, would you be the Lord of my life? And this is so important because so many Christians love Jesus as a saint. What does that mean? Jesus died for my sins. And there's not one of us in this room that can say, I have never sinned. All of us have sinned and missed God's mark. But God loved us so much that he did what? He sent Jesus, his son, the lamb that was slain, the innocent one. He who knew no sin became sin. He took our sin on a cross and he paid the price because Romans 6, 23 says the penalty of sin is death. The word death is eternal separation from God. None of us deserve to have God in our lives. None of us deserve to be his temple. None of us deserve to have his presence in us. Why? Because of our flesh and our sin, but yet he chose us, scripture says. It's scripture says we didn't choose him, he chose us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then God said, why did God do that? Paul just tells us that we now, through Jesus Christ, we're putting our faith in him, our sins are forgiven, but not just forgiven, they're removed as far as the east is from the west. And we are no longer old creations, as Paul says, we are now new creations. We are now what? The temple of God. You see, God doesn't dwell in a building anymore. He doesn't dwell by an ark. He dwells in the lives of believers. He dwells in the lives. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, God's presence, God in you. And that's why Christianity is not about religion and practices. No, Christianity is about relationship. God in me. I am now the temple. And that's why when we leave here today and we go on Memorial Day and we go have tacos or burgers or whatever you're going to do today, guess what? We don't lock Jesus in this building. We don't lock God's presence here. Next Sunday, we'll come back and, oh, God, you're still here. Awesome. When you go out today, if you're a Christ follower, the presence of God is with you. Church is going out into the world, as Matthew 28 says. Church is going out. You are the church, not the building. But here's the question. 
Are you living when posturing your heart daily, saying, God, I want to invite you to be a part, to lead me today. I don't just want you to be my savior who died on a cross. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life because you're holy and you're sovereign God. And now that I'm a Christ follower, I put my faith in Jesus. I am now called to follow you. You are the Lord of my life. And so what do you want me to do today? And, he, and here's the problem. There's some of us in this room, we're so bound by guilt and shame and addictive patterns and behaviors. Well, pastor, if you knew what I did yesterday or last night or what I said, if you know the stuff in my life, I am not worthy to be the temple of God's spirit. I'm not worthy. No, 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 no. Hey, let him pass by and go to someone else's home because I'm not good enough. And that's the problem with Christianity today because of legalism and religion. Religion tells us you're not good enough. Religion says you're not holy enough. You're not spiritual enough. You don't know enough Bible. Let me tell you the answer to that. It's very simple. You're not good enough. You never were good enough. You can't earn heaven you can't earn forgiveness. You can't be spiritual enough. And the good news is you don't have to be. You don't have to be. God showed his love and his grace and his mercy for us. That while we were yet sinners, he said, you know what? I love you. And I want to come and do what? I want to live in you. You're going to be my temple. And you know what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pay the price for your sin, all of it. Yes. And so if you put your faith in me, I'll begin to work in your life and you will be my temple and we will do relationship. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came to give you life and life overflowing. You don't have to wait for an overflowing God life. You receive it by faith, by simply saying, God, I have missed it, blown it, guilty as charged, but thank you that you love me. Thank you that you want relationship with me. God, you might today be, I've been a Christian for 20 years and say, you know what, pastors, I look today, you know what, I'm not worthy of this holy God. I'm not worthy to be his temple. I've missed the mark so many times. It doesn't matter because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is a new beginning. I love, you know what I love about God? All things, all things, he removes them. Gives you a new day. Some of us today in this room, we need to invite him into our lives. Some of you today, come on, God wants to do great things. He's got promises and plans and purposes. He wants to heal you from your brokenness. He wants to set you free of that prison of unforgiveness, that prison of shame and guilt and that addiction. He wants to set you free. But like Obed-Edom, you know what you've got to do? You've got to invite him to come into your house. Well, why don't we do that really quickly? Eyes are closed and heads are bowed. No one looking around in this moment. Really quickly, come on. If you're in this room today and you just know, pastor, you know what? I want him in my life. If he's called me to be his temple, if he wants relationship, if he's paid the price for my forgiveness and my pain and my shame and my hurt and he has freedom and hope and joy and love and peace for me today, I want that in my life. You know what the Bible says? If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. What does that simply mean? It's simply saying, I need you, Jesus. I'm inviting you into my world. I'm inviting you into my messy house. Would you come and make me whole? 
The Bible says if you believe in your heart today and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved is what the Bible says. What does that mean? You will receive this grace and mercy and forgiveness and a new beginning. So eyes are closed and heads about. If that's you today, you know what? I just need to invite him. I want to start right at the beginning. God, would you come into my home? Would you come into my heart? It's messy, but would you come and do? I need you. If that's you today, why don't you slip your hand up really quick? No one looking around. I need you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, come on. This is the moment. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, you're saying I'm inviting. Thank you, sir. I see your hands. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you, sir. Today, I just, I want this holy God in my life. I don't want it. Something is missing. Thank you. I know something is missing. Thank you in the back. I know something is missing in my life and I want to thank you in the back. I don't know if I can see upstairs. Anybody upstairs saying today, yes, I see you in the back. I, I want to invite him. I need him. I'm tired of doing life the old way. I don't want to carry this weight and shame and guilt. I don't need to carry it. That's the good news. Today, it's the great exchange. You're exchanging your brokenness and ugliness and shame and guilt and sin and darkness for what? You're exchanging it for life, for grace and forgiveness and healing. And guess what? You didn't have to do anything. He did it all for you. He did it all for you, my friend. See, here's what we're gonna do if you raised your hand and everybody in this room, we're gonna pray a prayer because the Bible says if you believe today and confess with your mouth, guess what? You're a child of God. God's presence is coming into your heart right now. So let's pray this together. And I want everybody to, if, come on, if you didn't raise your hand, you wanna encourage and pray with people today. So let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. Today is my day. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins and to wash my life clean. I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior, and I'm choosing this day to follow you. I thank you today that I am forgiven. The shame is gone. The guilt is gone. I am a new creation. This is my new day. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give them a hand this morning. Beautiful. So beautiful. Those of you that raised your hand, come on, that's the greatest decision you could ever make. And I believe right now, as you prayed that in faith, that guess what? God's presence is in your life, my friend. You are a temple of the living God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not alone. You are not alone. The second thing I, I believe Obed-Edom had to invite the presence of God in. The second thing is I believe Obed-Edom had to make space in his home for the ark. He had to begin to say, where, where are we gonna put the ark? Well, let's just put it in the shed. No, 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 no. This, the ark is what? Symbolic of literally God's throne on earth. We're not putting it in the shack. We're gonna, we're gonna put it in the penthouse, baby. We're gonna put it in the master suite. It's the best. We're making space. Why? Because the presence of God. I want to ask you today, how are you making space for God's presence in your life? How are you making space for God's presence with your time? Well, uh, pastor, I'm so hungry for Jesus. I want to know more about him. You got to make space for him. 
You've got to begin to, you have invited him in, but now you've got to begin to, to make space for his presence. You've got to begin to say, God, as I'm, as I'm stepping out today, as I'm going to work, I'm going to put some worship on, I'll make space for you. I'm going to wake up and do my devotions. I want to make space for you because man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus said, but by the word of God. I've got to feast on the word of God so I can feed my spirit. As I'm spending time in prayer, God is beginning to show me, the Holy Spirit is convicting me of, hey, watch out for this or, or don't say that or don't think that. Why? Because he's saying you gotta keep your temple clean. Because you know what the devil loves to do? The devil loves to distract you and he wants you to get your eyes back on to the, the junk in your life and he, he wants you to look at, at all these things. Jesus said in this, this, the, 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 the temptation of the pride of life, the, the lusting of the eyes and the lusting of the flesh and the, the devil wants to get your eyes off God and get your eyes onto things and you've got to stop and say, you know what, I need to make more room in my life for God. Oh, I want a godly marriage. Are you making space for God in your marriage? I want godly kids. Are you making space for God in, in your parenting? You see, we want all these things, but we've got to learn to make space for these things. I love uh, John chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman at the well, and he begins to talk about living water. And she says, well, I want this water. Why? Because she says, my life is so empty and natural water's not doing it. And there's something deeper. There's a spiritual thirst inside me. There's a longing for more. And Jesus said, I'm that living water. And then he says in verse four, uh, chapter four, verse 23, yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. Let's, let's look at what Holman commentary says about that passage. Listen to this, it'll be on the screen. The text does not refer to the Holy Spirit, but an attitude of the heart which acknowledges God and his sovereignty over our lives. Furthermore, worship must be done in truth, honestly, biblically, centered on who? Christ. This paragraph shows the difference between religion and the gospel. Uh, religion describes humankind's search for God. The gospel describes the way God reached down to humanity. Oh, I like that. He's saying, Jesus is literally saying to this woman, the Father, God the Father is seeking what? Worshippers. People that, as we read in home, and have the attitude or the posturing of the heart or the reverence to worship sovereign God. See, I'm invited him in. He made me his temple and I invited him in. Now I'm beginning to make space in my life to worship him. Space in my life where I'm praising him. So I, I, I gotta invite the presence of God. I gotta make space in my world, my calendar. I can't get too busy. And, and you know, Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you're the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. As I walk out and live out this God life and this Christian life, I need to be grafted into Jesus. And I gotta make space for God's presence in my life. But number three, I think number three is the one that is so important. I need to honor God's presence in my life. I need to honor God's presence in my life. 
Come on, you're the temple. If you're a Christ follower today, you are the temple. Jesus died so that all the sin could be removed from your life, so that you could become righteous. We are the righteousness, Paul says, of God in Christ Jesus. And now because we're righteous, he sends his spirit into us. And now we're doing life through the power of the spirit of God. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Listen to this. But we have this what? Treasure. In what? Earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power of God and not of us. Ooh, I like that. Paul's literally saying, have reverence in your life for the presence of God. Because the greatest treasure you and I have, if you're a Christ follower today, the greatest treasure you have in your life is God's presence. It's not stuff. It's not things. It's not your accolades or your trophies. It's not your intellect. It's not your religion. It's the presence of God. It was paid for. The heavy price. The blood of Jesus. Sometimes we can get so comfortable in Christianity. Sometimes we can be so entitled Christianity that we miss the main thing. And the main thing is this, that a holy God would choose to make his home in our lives. A holy God Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The word fear there, if you go and study it, is the word reverence. Reverence of the Lord is the beginning, the starting point of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. He didn't say, your opinion of the Lord, your opinion is the beginning of wisdom. Your, theolo- your theology and your intellect, how good you are, No, 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 no. The fear, the reverence of the Lord. The reverence that I am his temple and he's my Lord. The reverence of wherever I go, he is in me and with me. The reverence of the Holy One. It's the beginning of wisdom. Webster's Dictionary defines wisdom as this. Honor or respect that is felt or shown. Profound, adoring, awed respect. It's a gesture of respect such as bow. 
Gesture of respect in worship where we raise our hands. Gesture of respect where we go to our knees. Why? Because of the awe and the wonder that our holy God would choose sinners like us and would make his home in our hearts. I pray that over myself, I pray over you today that we would live in the awe of God. That we would live out of the God is holy. And what an honor it is that he chose me. What an honor it is that he made his home in my life. And one day, I'll be with him for all eternity. This morning, we're going to partake of communion. And if you did not receive the elements, uh, I'm going to ask the ushers. uh, They've got some. And just raise your hand really quickly. We're going to do this together as a family. And so if you just raise your hand up and we'll make sure we get the elements to you. And I was thinking about this this week because I believe one of the greatest signs of reverence, one of the holy moments that we have as a church is to partake of communion. I want to say to you this morning that Communion was not instituted by the Catholic Church. It's not instituted by the Baptist Church, Pentecostal Church, your favorite speaker or podcaster. Communion was instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's holy. In fact, if we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 to 28. And so then whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. In fact, Paul says, what you're about to do right now is so holy that if your heart is not right and you do this, you're sinning against Jesus. So we're gonna do in this next moment, it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's okay. I want you to take the next minute. And something that we're afraid of is silence. I want you to take this next minute in silence. And if there's anything that you need to go to the Lord of and repent, there's anything that uh, maybe, maybe you treated someone unfairly, Maybe you lost your temper on the freeway and cussed somebody out. So maybe, maybe you spoke bad about someone or maybe you got angry at you. I, I don't know, but I do know this. The Holy Spirit's in you and he saw and he knows. But I'm not, asking, I'm not asking you to go find the devil behind every bush. I'm just saying this morning, as we, before we go into this holy moment of remembering Jesus, that you just stop and say, God, is there anything in me? I need to repent of. And then just in the next minute, go ahead and tell him, would you forgive me? Would you just forgive me, God? So let's do that in the next moment. The next minute, let's just be still. Let's take inventory of our hearts this morning.
Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, 26, For I received from the Lord that I passed unto you. The Lord on the night he was prepared, betrayed took bread. I want you to take the bread right now. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said to them, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and partake of the bread. The same way, verse 25, after the supper, he took the cup. I want you to just look at it for a second. Saying, This is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. And I like that. The word new covenant means better promises. Paul says in Corinthians that all the promises of God, all the covenant promises are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. It's healing, forgiveness, freedom. All done because what? The blood of Jesus the new covenant. And when you drink it, drink in remembrance of me. Whoever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's go ahead and partake of the juice. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for choosing us this day. Thank you for making us your temple, your home. Thank you for your presence that is in our lives. Teach us how to live and move and have our being in you. Teach us how to follow you. Teach us how to live for you. Thank you today that you called us to relationship not religion. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.